0: Good to see all of you tonight, and uh, man, I'm just, I'm ready to go and excited. I mean, it has been a while. Uh, and, and we had planned a four-week series uh, right now that has now condensed into two weeks, so we're just going to go with it. Uh, and, it's, and it's a series that I'm calling Pro Tips. All right, now, I didn't grow up like y'all. I'm old, right? Um, but I didn't have Google or the YouTubes or any of that stuff. Growing up where you could just be like, man, I don't know how to do something. All I got to do is Google it, and someone tells me. But y'all, um, it's great. You guys have an advantage. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like my wife, uh, by the way, an amazing job up there. It's so good to see you up there. She's so hot. Uh, she's all mine. It's the power of prayer, guys. Start praying now. Um, anyway, so, so she thinks that I'm like really good at fixing stuff. And... Um, And I'm really not, like, uh, you know, my my father passed away when I was younger, like, no one really, like, taught me how to do stuff, I had to, like, learn and figure stuff out, but then when YouTube came along, man, no matter what it is, like, I, I can fix it, I can figure it out, and just, like, no lie, over the Christmas holidays there was a thermostat in my truck that went out, and I had to fix it. Did you even know there was a thermostat in your car, that that's a thing? I didn't even know what this was. All I knew is every time I turned off my car, the fan would just keep going. Like, the engine's off. I've, like, you know, undone the keys. I'm trying to get out, and it's just like, and I'm like, oh, that can't be good. Like, is my, like, car going to blow up? I don't know if this has happened to any of you. I don't know what's going on, but, like, it would just keep going. And then I found this little hack that all I had to do was, like, Turn the key a little bit, it would kick back off, and then turn it again, and I'd go inside. And that's fine and all, but it just started getting really annoying. It kept happening. So finally, y'all, you know what I did? I got on that Google. Why is my 2014 GMC pickup fan not turning off? Pro tip, uh, there's a good chance your thermostat's uh, gone out on it. I'm like, I didn't even know what that is or that I had one of those. So what do I do? I go to YouTube. You know what I'm talking about? Now I'm on YouTube. and I'm like, how to replace the thermostat in a 2014 GMC white pickup? Like, that matters. But anyway, and I look, and y'all, there's like 10 videos. And there's these, like, dudes, these good old boys, like, yeah, well, today I'm going to fix my... I'm gonna fix my thermostat I'm gonna sh- take you through the steps and they're like terrible at the camera angles and everything but no this guy like brings me like like step by step through it I have to like take these valves off I'm like man I hope I can get this back together y'all this could go really bad but no it, it went well now. I get it, though. Like, sometimes YouTube will lead you astray. you got to be careful. Look at those comments. Make sure uh, that if someone's teaching you how to do something, um, that they know what they're talking about. But, man, I've fixed, like, our faucet, uh, the leaky faucet. But, um, by the way, if your shower head leaks and you're a homeowner, none of y'all are homeowners in here probably at this point, but I'm going to give you this tip. If it's leaking, um, that's not an easy fix. I'm like, this is easy, right? This can't be hard. But apparently I had to, like, take components out of the wall and there's like capsules and I'm just telling you it's not as easy of a fix and I almost got into a pickle like last year on that but again YouTube saved the day. But I can like fix stuff. And and why I bring that up is because like um a year ago I got into this thing called MasterClass. Have any of y'all heard of MasterClass? Do you guys know what this is? Y'all don't know what this is. All right, here we go. All right, I'm telling y'all, okay, not only the YouTube amateur hour where they're teaching you how to do stuff, you can go on, okay, it's a subscription for the year, and they have every, like, the person that is, like, number one in their field of, like, whatever, so, like, you want to learn how to shoot a layup, like, let Steph Curry teach you, uh, you want to learn how to cook, right, you got Gordon, I'm going to learn from Gordon Ramsey, um they have all these people I don't even I've never even heard of half of them but then it's like this guy's apparently good at wine I don't know I'll read what he has to say but they do these masterclasses. you want to sing like Christina Aguilera y'all don't be hating on Christina Aguilera all right that girl could sing Reba McIntyre maybe okay but yeah yeah I mean look at this like I can play guitar like Tom Murrell, uh or produce beats like Timberland anybody no one's excited about this but me I get so pumped. I'm like, I want to learn from Timberland. Like, I want to I hear Hans Zimmer. Like, he, like I want to see how he does this, and he does, like, step by step. And you can get in this class. So, oh, there's the Steph Curry one. Have you all watched this? So this isn't just amateurs teaching you. These are, like, the people. And, and, like, Serena Williams will also teach you how to serve at 100 miles an hour like Emmy. All right? Like, Serena Williams will teach you. It's real easy. I'm kidding, Emmy, wherever you are. That is not easy to do. Uh, but you can learn from these people. Oh, you can get into crypto. I don't know nothing about crypto, but we're gonna talk tonight about wisdom and discernment. I'm telling you, crypto's led me astray this last year. Uh, so this is not an investment seminar, but you get it. All right, so uh, dog training, Brandon McMillan. Anyway, I think you get the picture. Here's what I'm saying there are people that have spent hours and hours and hours on one specific craft. And they're like teaching us about it. And that's kind of cool because I don't have time. I don't have the hours to put in to dog training. I don't have the hours to put in to learn to be a good cook like Gordon Ramsey that's never going to happen. But I can pick up a couple tips from him, right? You know what I'm saying? And so tonight, here we are, pro tips. And here's what I want to talk to you all about. The one thing, the one skill that will make you better at everything else in life. That's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And that's wisdom. Wisdom is the one thing that will make you better at everything in life. No matter what skill you have, no matter where you live, no matter what you're like setting your heart on, it is actually wisdom that's going to make you better at anything in life as we learn wisdom. And uh, tonight, kind of what I want to do is I want to get pro tips from what we would say is probably the wisest man to ever love, Proverbs. So you can grab that. Yep. Yes. Grab your Bible. Turn to Proverbs. If you're if you're new to church and new to this whole thing, um, we're really glad you're here. Let me just explain uh, this real fast. Proverbs is in kind of the middle of your Bible. Like honestly, if you just kind of open the middle, it'll probably hit Psalms, and then just like go a little bit to the right, and you'll be in Proverbs. And in the middle of our Bible, we have wisdom literature, and this is a genre. You know, like you got comedy, you got drama. You expect different things when you watch a genre of different things, right? It's the same in the Bible. I don't know if you knew this, but just a side tip. um, There are different genres of Scripture. We've got the law, and it's written for a specific thing. You get into uh, the Gospels, and it's historical accounts of Jesus' life, teaching his teachings. You've got uh, Revelation, which I don't know if you've read it, and some of y'all are like, I'm steering clear of that one. It's crazy. Yeah, because it is a genre of literature, that is called the apocalyptic genre, all right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to read different. I don't have time tonight to go into all the hermeneutics, and we're not, we're not doing that. But what I do want you to see is that right in the middle of our Bible, between the book of Job, we got Job, we got Psalms, we got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. This is our wisdom literature, and it's meant to be read just a little bit different. And when Proverbs, what we have are these are all the sayings of the wisest man to ever live, and we don't have to have as much context to actually, most of the time when we read scripture, I want to give you the context around here's what's happening, here's the scene, here's what's, what's going on, here's what the author's intending, because um, we need that information to correctly interpret scripture. But with wisdom literature, these are just like all these like, nuggets of truth, of him just being like, hey, you want to be wise? Like, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you how to spend your money. Let me tell you not to, not to hang out with this person or that person. Um, We talked on these last few Sundays, we've been in this series, and we've talked about last week about trusting God and not leaning on ourselves, that that's a wisdom pro tip. Um, But the way that we speak and all that, he gives so much wisdom in the Proverbs, and so I want to jump in and tell you a little bit about him. Now, verse 1 tells you a little bit about him, so we're going to read this, Proverbs 1, and then we're going to read verses 1 through 7 tonight and just unpack a little bit on wisdom, okay? Okay. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. I'm reading from the ESV translation. Here's what it says The Proverbs of Solomon. So, this is who wrote it. The son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So I just read... Uh, seven verses, just a little bit there. And what I want to do tonight is I want to walk through some of this, and I want to talk about wisdom. Because here's the thing, and just as a side note, there are a lot of times in Scripture where it gives us moral law. Like it tells you, like, this is right, this is wrong. Don't murder people. Wrong, right? Like, don't don't kill. Don't covet. Don't take what's not yours. There is, all through the scriptures, uh, places where God is very black and white, very clear on, like, this is my will. This is what I want for you. This is how we treat people. And there's a lot of that. But so many of the decisions that you guys are making over these next few years are so critical to your life. Do you realize that? Like, some of you know this, and you feel the anxiety, and as I talk about it, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to know what to do with my life, like, next year, because I'm graduating. Um, I get it, but the truth is, between the age of 18 to about 25, 26, you are determining who your spouse is going to be. You're determining where you're going to live for the first part of your like adult life. You're determining what you're going to do, who you're going to be. I mean, there are big decisions, and the Bible isn't clear on a lot of them. There's nowhere in the Bible where you're going to read it, and it's going to be like, move to Wichita Falls. Oh, second hesitations three. Okay, got it. You know, like, it's not doing that. It's not gonna be like, Mary Rachel Wilson. She will now be Rachel Patterson, right? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't give you the clarity on like what job to take or who to marry or how to spend my money. Um, but it does give us a lot of wisdom into how we make those decisions. Does that make sense? And so that's what I wanna land on here. And what it says at the very beginning, first off, is I just want you to know who Solomon is. Because if we make this claim, like, why is this man to ever live? You're like, I mean, like, By whose standards? Here's what you need to know about Solomon. Uh, And and, and really, it says it right here. He's the son of King David. And at this moment, while he's writing these Proverbs, he is the king of Israel. Okay, here's what you need to know about Solomon he's David's son. Now, David has multiple sons, uh, a few whom try to kill him. um, But Solomon is the son that reigns in his dad's place. So, David was this great king, a man after God's own heart. Some of y'all know the story of David and Goliath, all that. That's where we're at in history here is David has reigned, but his whole life has been war. And David made some major mistakes, and he has paid for it. And he has had the sword, and has had war, and and most of his life was fighting. But at the time that his youngest son, Solomon, he, he takes over the throne, there's peace. God has given peace. And at this moment in history, Israel is at its most famous, successful, prosperous. It's the biggest nation in the world. It is the most prosperous, the most wealthy. It's like they are the the jam, right? Like Israel is king. And Solomon's taking over. And what we have is in 1 Kings chapter 3, we hear and read about Solomon's life. And what happens is, is right as he takes over the throne, um, this is God's selected people. And it's, so he isn't a king that's abandoned it. Now, like, I'm in charge, and I'm going. He is still trying to honor God and follow God, and God sees it. So God comes to him, 1 Kings 3, and basically says this, uh, ask me anything, and I'll give it to you. Like, that's in the Bible, y'all. Could you, ima- could you imagine if God asked you that right now? Like, I- I'm serious. Like, like, God comes to you and is like, ask me anything. What, like, what would you say? And th- that's, that's rhetorical. You don't have to answer real specific tonight. But I'm like, I can't even imagine this. And, and a lot of times, I will say this as a side note, we treat God like a genie, like, hey God, if you'll just you know, help me get an A and then help me get this job and then help me. It's okay to bring our needs before God, but God's not a genie in the sky that we like, ask for and wish for things and he grants them, okay? But in this case, in this specific case with Solomon, this is what he's doing, straight up. Hey, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And here's Solomon's reply. First Kings 3, he says this, I am the king but I'm just a child. Would you give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people and to discern right from wrong? What Solomon asked for? He's given a blank check from God, and he asks for wisdom. And what happens is God is so pleased by this that God gives him supernatural wisdom, like not common to us, like abnormal superpower wisdom, where he's able to discern and understand things and see things from a whole different perspective because God has given him that. And then it goes on to say, God says, not only um, do I bless you in that, but because you didn't ask for riches or fame, I'm going to give you those as well. And Solomon becomes the wealthiest man to ever live as well. In fact, a lot of historians now would rate his personal wealth at about a trillion dollars in today's terms. Wealthiest dude, all right? All right. And so when we hear from Solomon, not only has he lived and he's on top of the world, but he's after God's heart and God has supernaturally given him wisdom. And so we should pay attention. He is the pro at wisdom. And here's what he says about it. I'm writing these things so that you would know wisdom and instruction, that you would understand words of insight. You would receive instruction-wise dealings uh, that relate to righteousness, justice, equity. Okay? So he's writing this for our sake, and here's what he's saying right at the top. He is saying that wisdom is practical. And, and what I need us to hear right at the beginning is there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Now, we need knowledge. We need to understand things to make wise choices, all right? But wisdom and knowledge are very different. I can know some stuff and still make dumb choices, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you can know that, like, if I study, I'm going to do better on this test, like, I know that, but I don't study, right? And then it doesn't go well for me. Like, that happens. I know, like, man, if I will eat healthy, I'll probably feel better and not need to take a nap every day at 2 o'clock. Actually, that doesn't happen. I promise I don't nap in the parlor at church every day at 2. Um, but, like, I know if I will eat healthy, exercise a little bit. I'm not, like, talk, I'm not talking, like, trying to get ripped and, like, dead squat 5 million pounds or whatever, but, like, if I would eat a little bit less sugar and, like, just work out some, I'd probably feel better. Because I'm, like, I'm just always kind of, like, sluggish. And I know that. But then, y'all, it's 9, 10 p.m. Okay, I'm, that's when I go to bed. Don't judge me. And my wife has this candy drawer. She has a candy drawer. That's her nightstand, y'all. It's a candy drawer. I'm just, like, diming you out on this. And it's got, like, Sour Patch Kids. What do we got? We got Sweet Tart things in there and, like, Jolly Ranchers. I don't know what else is in there. Um, and so we're watching a show, and I'm like, hit me up. You know, and I know that if I eat this and don't brush my teeth, y'all, it's gonna go very bad for my teeth. And guess what? I usually don't brush my teeth because I fall asleep. <laughs> but I know this, and so uh, y'all help me. Um, but but this happens, and we know stuff. But that's what I'm saying: is we can know things and still make bad decisions. I can know that if I speed, I'm gonna get a ticket. But you know what? Sometimes I speed. You can know. That the Bible is God's word, and that it is wisdom, and that it will bring life, and yet you can still just not ever read it. And that's not wise. You can know that there has to be a God behind all this, that it didn't just happen, that there is a God who created the world, and know that he exists, and then live like he doesn't. And never have a thought to the fact that he's actually present and with you in every conversation and knows what you think and what you say. And we never live as that, but we know it. And the Bible would call that foolishness. You can know that it's risky to get drunk. That, that getting drunk could mean you could, you could get a DUI. In fact, I just saw like they're trying to like, vote on some session and the senator just got arrested for DUI and messed up their vote or something. I just read a headline on it. I'm like, way to go, dude. Um, you can know that that could happen to you and that, that some people are in jail because they're not that they tried to murder someone, but they got drunk and they hit someone and that person that they hit died and they got tried in manslaughter and they're in jail. And we can know that and still go, you know what, though? It's not gonna happen to me and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna live it up. It's not... Wise. We can know that there are situations we can put ourselves in that are not going to help us. Situations with our girlfriends and boyfriends. Situations with money and how we're spending. And, and we can know that these are not good things, but we put ourselves in a situation where we make bad decisions. Wisdom is the difference between, here it is, what you know and what you do with what you know. Wisdom is action. Wisdom is, I'm, I'm reading the defense, so to speak, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's, it's Super Bowl. i got to do one analogy like that, right? It's that I have enough wisdom to know what defenses look like, see it, and react in our lives. That we understand some of what, how things work and how God created things and what's right and what's wrong, and we react. Wisdom is the difference between what you know and what you do with what you know. And that's where we get in trouble. And so then it goes on, and I want to end with the three people in the Proverbs. So verse 4, I want to give you wisdom so it would give prudence or understanding to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So we have that, but let me, get, let me read through it. And then the wise, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of a the wise and their riddles. And then it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom instruction. There are three people kind of throughout the Proverbs that are named. We have the simple, like the simpleton, the simple. I'm going to explain that. We have the foolish or the fool, and we have the wise. And I just want to camp here for a minute tonight and explain this, because sometimes it kind of loses translation. Here's what the Bible means. When it calls someone simple, um, it's just referring to the fact that they are young or naive, unexperienced, the simple. It's going to give wisdom to the person. They're going to know how to do something that they shouldn't know how to do because they don't have the experience to know how to do it, but wisdom is going to give it to them. And for you and I, there's a lot of us in here that we don't have the experience we need to know how to handle certain situations, but wisdom gives us Insight. And so that's what wisdom does for those of us who are simple, so to speak, that we, we don't know. We aren't experienced. We're naive. We're young. And some of you are like, that's me. And some of the rest of you are like, that ain't me. That's somebody else. But that ain't me. But let me tell you the problem with the simple. For the, for the most part, the simple are the people who follow the crowd. They don't know how to chart their own path. They don't know which direction to go. They, they, they're simple. They just, they just kind of fall in line. They just follow their friends. They just follow what's going on. The simple, they care so much about what their friends think that they'll do whatever. And that is not wise. Our friends aren't all that wise, right? There's other people that are wise. But the simple cares so much about their friends, and what they think about them, that they'll follow them right off the path. Now, let's talk about the fool. The fool is not a derogatory term where I'm just like, what a fool? Like, that's not what it's saying, all right? But I need you to catch this. If you don't hear anything tonight, here's what the Bible would say is a fool. The fool, if you look in verse 7, despises wisdom instruction. Here's what it is. The fool is someone who is wise in their own eyes. That's what's foolish, that they, they're the ones that have it figured out. They're not asking any questions. They don't care to learn anything or gain wisdom. They got it all figured out. They're wise in their own eyes. The fool is the one who's that self-righteous, opinionated person, stubborn, hard to persuade, can never be corrected, not even asking for it, not asking for advice, not asking for wisdom. They got it all down. Now, don't look at your neighbor and, like, point at them, like, that's you. You know, like, don't do that, all right? But let's self-assess here. Where are we on this spectrum? The simple, who cares so much about what their friends think, and then the fool, who cares nothing about what anyone thinks. They're far too less concerned. To be curious about, maybe maybe you don't have it figured out, maybe you don't learn. So the Bible's going to say, the foolish one is the one that thinks they're wise. When all along, we know they're not. They can't be helped. They can't be corrected. And so let's get to the wise tonight. And in verse seven, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs nine ten says it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting point. So you want to be wise. You wanna make wise choices. You wanna make good choices that lead to life and abundance and make good decisions that you're not like full of regret. It starts with fearing the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Because a lot of times the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, and it's kind of confusing, right? You're like, wait, I'm supposed to be, like, scared of God? Like, that's, once I'm scared of God, then I'm wise? Okay, that's not exactly what it's saying. I want to to explain some things. First of all, it sort of means that, and hang with me. It does sort of mean that, and this is what what, what I'm saying. You got to recognize at the beginning that God is giving you every breath that you breathe. You don't control your heartbeat. You don't control the oxygen that your lungs breathe. The Bible says that every breath that you are given is a gift of God, and you are fragile in the hands of God. Like, you got nothing outside of God. And the wise know that. And the wise know there's a God and knows that one day I'm going to stand before this God because I am eternal. I'm not just here. That there's a whole nother thing coming for me when I die. And I'm going to stand before God. And so wisdom says, i got to remember that, know where I'm headed to know and and inform how I'm living my life now. So there's a piece of that. But I believe in this specific text, what Solomon is talking about is not the negative version of fear. Because there's a negative version and a positive version. The negative version is like, I'm afraid because I'm afraid I'm going to like die, be harmed, be punished, right? Like I'm afraid of tornadoes. Not really, that's my wife. I'm afraid of birds, let's just be honest, this has happened. Have I told y'all that story? I don't have time tonight. But I'm, for real, y'all, when I was a kid, I got attacked by birds. It's just a thing. I'm, I am terrified of birds that they will harm me. Man, they can fly, dude. They got beaks and stuff. Anyway, whatever. Y'all are judging me. That's the negative fear. But the Bible says, like, perfect love casts out fear. So I'm supposed to fear God, but then love, if he's love, perfect love casts out fear. And then the Bible says in, in Timothy, right, that, that God's given us the spirit not of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. That's the, that's the negative version. We don't have to walk around being afraid. So what in the world is the Bible talking about? And I believe the Bible's talking about a second type of fear. And the best way for me to explain it is this. Have you ever, like, met someone who was, like, famous to you? If you, anybody in here, like, you met someone famous? Maybe they're famous, famous, like, famous to everyone. Or maybe they're just famous to you. Like, no one knows who they are, but you're like, oh, my gosh, that's the biggest deal because I'm a nerd about this stuff, and they're, like, the king of it. I don't know what it is. But anybody in here met someone famous? I'm actually, like, curious. Anybody been around a famous person? Who, who, who did you meet? Uh, you know that, that TikTok? At the, of at course. The yes, there. the TikTok. Mm-hmm. You yeah. met a TikTok star? Well, basically. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Who's the dude? Oh, my gosh. Y'all are so young. I've never felt older in my life. Uh, but okay. But you're right. That's why, that's why I did the caveat of like famous to y'all. I'd be like, who is this? I don't care. I'm not impressed. But y'all are like, oh, my gosh. He's got like a million TikTok followers. I don't know. That's, that's a bad version of you. All right. Connor, who have you met? Oh, yeah. You're not Connor. Dang, y'all look alike. Okay, Brett. What? You asked him, you asked Emmett Smith to be your dad? What'd he say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Connor swooped in and goes, what about me? No, I'm kidding. That's cool. Who'd you meet? Oh, yeah, you met them? That's really cool. Really? And that's when you met him? Wow. Dude. All right. Hey, listen, I know y'all met people. I got to keep going because this message is going to be like 50 minutes. Um, let, let me just say it this way. Okay. Are, are y'all weird around famous people? Because I'm so weird around them. Like, I'm the worst. I'm just like awkward as can be. I've met a few famous people. I sat behind like Stephen Curtis Chapman on a plane. Y'all don't even know who he is. Old school, like. But I didn't know what to say to him. Like, all I had was like, I, I enjoy your music, sir. It was like, like, I have nothing. I'm the worst. So I get real awkward, but some of y'all don't know this about me. I actually used to be a worship leader and a musician, and kind of early on when I was like pursuing that, um, I, was, I was actually working with a label, and I was up in Nashville, and I was at this songwriter's retreat, and it was with a lot of like Christian famous people that none of y'all know, but Ashton will totally geek out with me about. Yes, open the eyes of my heart, baby. Yep. He was there, the guy that wrote that, if you know who that is. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I could name drop and none of y'all would be impressed because y'all don't know who any of these people are. But they were like kind of a big deal. And I was at this songwriter's retreat and it was cool. Like I was meeting people and I'm super awkward with them, but I totally know who they are. I'm like, oh my gosh, you wrote this song or you wrote that. And It was this whole thing. But then Crowder walked in. And when David Crowder walked in, I will name drop this because this goes with my story. And some of y'all know who he is, some of you don't, but whatever. Um, he was kind of a big deal in Christian circles, and so he comes in, he's talking to us, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like David Crowder, this is awesome, I love David Crowder, and so he's talking to us, he's super funny, he's sharing stuff, and, um, and then afterwards, it's over, and he's just hanging out in this living room of this big house in Nashville, and like, I just find myself like next to him, just like, you're David Crowder, and he's like, yes, I know, and I'm, I'm again, y'all, I'm like, I'm weird, I just get totally strange. But he's like, yeah, man, you, uh, you, you've written some songs. I'm like, yeah, uh, a few, but like, you're David Crowder. Like, my songs are terrible. Like, what? Why are you even talking to me? You know? And you just feel that way. And that's the thing. That's fear. It's not fear, like, I'm afraid David Crowder's gonna hurt me. That's not what this is. It's a positive fear. I respect him. Like, I'm in awe of him a little bit. Like, I'm like, wow, that's so and so. That's the dude who did Yellowstone. That's Emmett Smith, man. Like, I mean, that was my childhood. You know, I'm feeling you. I would have been really awkward with him. That's the fear of the Lord. You see, the fear of the Lord is this idea of like, I don't wanna like harm, I don't wanna offend, I don't wanna look like a fool in front of him because I, his presence carries that much weight. That's the fear we're talking about here. Here's the fear of God, if I could sum up a statement. The fear of God is your heart's awareness of the reality of the true God that affects your attitude and your actions that is the fear of the Lord and that is the beginning of wisdom when your heart is aware of the reality of the presence of the true God in your life and it makes you in awe and you go like "Uh, yeah God's here God's with me. God sees this. And now it's changing the filter. Have you ever like been to a movie that wasn't really good, but like your parents sat with you and you're like, and then it's like a cuss word, and you're like, you got the filter, right? You're like, oh, this is awkward. It wouldn't be awkward if you were sitting here, but you are. This is, the, this is that thing that when we understand the presence of God in our lives, it brings about this awareness of how to live right. if you want wisdom, you've got to know God you got to see him. And the byproduct of seeing God is humility. So so for the fool who is proud and doesn't need anything, or the simpleton who just doesn't know and is just falling around, the moment that God enters the room in your life, the moment you hear from God, the moment you read this and believe that it's actually alive and it actually will speak to you and God starts to speak to you and convict you and challenge you, and you go, whoa, there's something here. Like, you're here, Lord. And you see him and you become in awe of him. There's a reason why people would fall before like angels and these people all through the Bible because there's this awe of like, wow, this is the fear of God and it is the beginning of wisdom. I wanted to encourage you guys with something tonight. I want to throw it up there. Um, we're going to start a YouTube, or YouTube, huh, you version reading plan as the bridge. Because some of you, you want to read the Bible. You know you're supposed to. You read, but it's like kind of confusing. It's like, man, this is like a lot. I don't even know where to begin. Do I just start in Genesis, read a few pages, and quit every year? And so I get that. And one of the things that we're going to do is, for those of you that want to join us, we're just going to start throwing out some plans where we're going to just read the Bible together. To see him, to know him. Because this is the beginning of knowledge. This is the beginning of wisdom. When I know God and I see him, And it brings about awe in my life and it starts changing my attitude and my actions. This is the beginning of it. And so this is just a QR code to follow our account. This isn't going to send you to a plan. It's just you becoming friends with us. And then once you're our friend, we'll accept you tonight, whoever wants to join us and then we'll throw out a plan. We'll be like, hey, we're going to do a 14-day plan on this. We're going to read it together. But you got to be our friend on YouVersion first. So if you don't know what YouVersion is, just go to your app store and search Bible. It's the very first app that comes up, like a million, billion downloads. That's what it is. And, um, and you can join us and be our friend. And we're going we're gonna to read the Bible together some. Because that is the beginning of wisdom. Like the wisest man to ever live wrote this and wants to tell you stuff. But the foolish says, I don't need it. And the simple says, I don't, I don't care. My friends don't do this. I'm doing other things. And what we're gonna say tonight is you wanna be wise, then follow this. Now, I know I've gone a little long tonight and Waterburger will be here in a minute, but I need you to hang with me because I wanna end with one other thing. You know how we talked tonight about the positive and negative of fear. There's also a positive of foolishness. Did you know this? Foolishness isn't always negative. And if you've still got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 1, and I want to end here. 1 Corinthians 1, it's in the New Testament, after the Gospels, after Acts and Romans. We get to the letters of the churches. And the very first words, pretty much, or the first chapter in Corinthians, it's 1 Corinthians 1, 18. If you don't have it, it will be on the screen. And here's what it says. It says, The word of the cross or the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosopher, the scholar, the world's brilliant debater? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. And he has used our foolish preaching, talking about the apostles. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who would believe. In verse 22, it is foolishness to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven. And it is foolishness to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jew and all the Gentiles, that's everybody else, Christ is the power of God, and look, the wisdom of God. For this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strengths. There is a good foolishness, and here's what it is. It is foolishness that God would love me. Like, I'm a rebel, man. I don't don't deserve it. And I've turned my back on God, and how foolish of God to, to sacrifice his own son that I could go free. It is foolishness. And the message of it is foolish. I mean, have you ever thought about it? Have you ever tried to explain the gospel to your friend? You're like, well, okay, so then like God created the world, but then he put two trees there and they gave gave the humans choice to choose to love him. But then they chose wrong and then sin entered the world and broke relationships with people. It broke the world. And so for the rest of time, God's been redeeming the world back to himself. And he calls this guy and he's like, hey, I know you don't have any kids. and You're like super old, but I'm actually going to create a whole nation through you. How foolish. And so then he has this nation, and we follow them coming out of, in and out of slavery and in and out of the wilderness and bringing them into the promised land. All this stuff happens. And then we get to it, the moment that Jesus comes on scene. And what God did to save us is he became human. Like he impregnated a virgin, Mary. I mean, this is foolish. She became pregnant with child through the Lord He is born, and he is born fully God and fully human, foolishness. And then he lives a perfect life at a random time in history in a random place in the Middle East, and he's over there, and he's living perfectly, and then he says, you know what? At the end of my time, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die for all of you. And I'm going to take your place in your sin because you could never make it to God without a perfect sacrifice. And I'm the only one who can be a sacrifice. And God knew this. And God said in his wisdom, only I could make the sacrifice to create justice and mercy intersecting. And so God becomes human so that he can die. Lives perfect. And then it says that he is crucified for no reason other than blasphemy and the people just like, crucify him, no offense. He's done nothing wrong and still somehow manages to be crucified on a Roman cross, the worst way to die. And then it says that he was buried for three days in some borrowed tomb that wasn't even his, didn't even own any of this stuff. King of the world and he's in this tomb and then they open it up and all of a sudden he's gone and he's risen again from the dead. This is crazy. And yet it's the power and the wisdom of God. That God would love you that much, that he would love the world so much that he would give his own son, that whoever would believe in him would have life and would have eternity with him. And for some of you in here, you're like, yeah, that's foolishness. I reject that. But for some of you, you're like, no, no, no. That is the power that has changed my life. And it is foolishness. And it has changed everything. It is foolish that God would love you. And yet he does. So as the band comes up tonight, I want us to rest in that thought. If you would just bow your head for a minute before the Lord and recognize the crazy links that God went to so that you could have life with him, that you could be forgiven and cleansed, that you could throw off all the shame that you maybe even came in this room carrying. And find forgiveness and healing and move forward in a life of right decisions. Not because we're so perfect, but because God is. And then as we fear him and find ourselves in awe of him, that he starts to transform our lives. And he begins to lead us. And we take our cues from him and it changes everything. Some of you, you have wandered from this wisdom and you need to just return on night one back to presence of God, claiming Christ as your salvation, walking back before the Lord tonight, to draw near to him, to surrender again, to living his way. But there's some in this room, I, I don't know all of you, but maybe there's someone in this room that the idea that God would do all of that, to, and that was his power to save, that's never landed for you. Like all you know about this is it's religious and it's church and we do some things and we read the Bible to be good people and we sing some songs sometimes. But you never knew that God went through all this so that you might have a relationship with him and you don't have a relationship with him. You aren't forgiven. You've never claimed your need for Christ. Maybe in one way you've kind of been foolish thinking that, that you're just going to do a lot of things so God at the end of the day it will balance out and God will love you. And the Bible does not teach that. There's only one name under heaven by which you can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. And some of you tonight, you need to claim that name and find forgiveness and find healing and find life in God.